Alhamdulillah 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 Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyi'ati a'malina may yahdihillahu fala mudilla lahu may yudlilhu fala hadiya lahu ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله وصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فنعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فقال الله تعالى في القرآن الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اصبروا وصابروا ورابطوا واتقوا الله لعلكم تفلحون صدق الله My beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah, we thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah, and thus we say Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Him. Wanastainuhu, we seek His help. Wanastaghfiruhu, we seek His forgiveness. We believe in Him and we trust and rely upon Him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And whomever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. And we bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and many more, and many more. And my beloved brothers and sisters, I ask you the same question that I asked almost every single week last year, and beginning again this year, and that is for you and I to ask ourselves, what is changing? We are now already in the third week of the semester. And it feels, at least for me, that summer has long gone, that it's forgotten. And with that, everything that happened in the past, and now we're racing through this school year. And so ask yourself, not so much what is changing about yourself, but what do you want to change about yourself so that when we get to December, when we get to May, you can say of yourself that you have improved this much on your prayers. You have improved this much on your fasting. You have improved this much in your charity or that you've improved this much in your control of the tongue or your use of the tongue or productive use of the tongue. And again, what is the point here? That if you do not consciously take control of yourself, yourself will persist as is, and if anything, it'll just conform to what is around you. So make for yourself a goal of where you want to be in each of these different aspects of life by the time we get to May, inshallah, or even better, by the time we get to December, inshallah, because just as the last three weeks have flown by, the next three weeks will fly by just as fast, and before you know it, we will be in finals. And then before you know it, I will be free of all of you, away having graded all of finals, and I will be smiling really big. Speaking of smiling, let me remind you, That smiling is a form of charity. Better. So, 
Having said all that, my beloved brothers and sisters, let's also talk about what's been happening in our community, in our society, in our world. As you and I know, especially last year, that we were the target of many, many different attacks, verbal, physical, and whatnot as a Muslim population in America. And then we have the attacks against Muslims in different parts of the world. But the one that gets the least attention is not the, our brothers and sisters in Myanmar, Burma, but it's actually our brothers and sisters in the Central African Republic that are also being genocided. But what is the point here for you and I to think about? As we are choosing our careers, and this includes not just how will I spend my day nine to five, but how will I spend my day from five to nine around my nine to five job? What will I dedicate myself to? Because you and I know that there is one fundamental direction that all of our lives are heading, and that is towards the day of judgment. What is the purpose of Jummah? It's primarily a reminder. But consider how much you think about your day of judgment. How much did you think about your day of judgment today? If you were to look at your actions from the moment you woke up until the moment you sat down right here, which admittedly, for some of you, you woke up three minutes ago and you made it here, mashallah, you did wudu in time, and here, some of you, mashallah, did the hajjud and fajr and duha, and you studied and you went to class, you might have even given charity, you smiled at me, mashallah, some of you have done all kinds of wonderful things. But the question is, ask yourself, how much did you think about your judgment today? Okay. Not in the sense of being morbid, because when we start thinking about the Day of Judgment, we start thinking, okay, here's another Sunday School lesson and it's unhappy. No, I'm speaking about this as a reality. A reality that each and every one of us will face. And then when we are speaking about the genocides that are taking place, whether they are genocides of Muslims or they're genocides of non-Muslims, what is taking place? That people are getting called to start their Day of Judgment. So put that in your consciousness. Try to put it in your consciousness at least once a day. A reminder that you will be called by your name to stand to account for what you've done, the choices you've made in your lives. Yeah. And then you and I know we often in our Sunday school and sometimes our, our angry man khutbahs, we tell the unhappy narrations that are still coming from the Prophet, peace be upon him, so they're still sacred, like the narration about the three people who will be facing Allah Ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. One is the scholar, another is the philanthropist, and the third is the martyr. And the scholar will be standing before the divine. Try to even imagine that moment when you are standing before Allah, alone. And the scholar will be asked, what did you do for God? What did you do for Allah? And the scholar will say, I learned and I spread your deen everywhere. And that scholar on the Day of Judgment will be told, you are lying. So imagine that scenario, that you have so much fear that you're even going to lie. A'udhu billah, inshallah, none of us will, none of us, none of us will feel compelled to do so. But you're lying to God directly. Why is this person told that he's a liar? Because he was just, he's told he was only earning knowledge so people would be impressed by his knowledge. He was only gaining knowledge, teaching so that people would be impressed. And then what was the case with the philanthropist? This philanthropist is asked, what did you do for Allah? And then this philanthropist will say, that I earned and I gave so much in your way. 
and that person will be told you are lying. Why? Because you are only giving for, so people will think that you're generous. And then the martyr, and think of how many narrations we have about martyrs. What's interesting is martyrdom is actually not our tradition. Martyrdom is the tradition of Christianity, that the church is built on the blood of martyrs. We appreciate martyrs, but every major figure you can think of in our history, we're actually appreciating what? We're appreciating their iman. Whether we speak about the death of Omar, whether we speak about the death of Uthman, whether we speak about the death of Ali, and coming up very soon, the death of Imam Hussein, what are we primarily appreciating in our tradition? It is their iman, their faith in Allah, which in many of their cases led them on a collision course with others. But the, philant the martyr will be asked, what did you do? And he will say, I gave the ultimate thing that I can give, which is my life. And that person, this particular martyr, is going to be told, you are lying. You only did this, you gave up your life so that people would say that you are brave. Think about how scary that narration is. Some of us may have heard it before, but I'm sure we've heard many such scary narrations. But what is the point I want you and I to take from that for our purposes for today? That think about your intentions for why you're doing whatever it is you're doing. This includes your studies. This includes the fact that you're here. This also includes your leisure. Leisure is not bad. I probably do more leisure than all of you combined, and that puts a big smile on my face that I'll give you charity for, but the point I'm saying, my beloved brothers and sisters, think of your intentions for why you do everything. And if your intention is to get the appreciation of people, you're probably going down the wrong road. So, but it doesn't mean you don't consider what other people are thinking. You also don't want to be repulsive to people. But what am I saying? Think seriously about your intentions. So in the same way I'm suggesting every single day, try to take time out to think about your judgment leading towards that. Think about your intentions. But I can't give you only scary stories, which are true. We also have to tell the happy stories. And one of my most favorites that most of you have already heard from me is the story of the person who will be called to judgment. <coughs> and then this person won't be lying. This person will, however, be so bold as to say to Allah, okay, yeah, Allah, let's not waste my time here. I know I'm going to hell. And that person will be told, no, you have to go through judgment just like everyone else. And this person is going to say, yeah, Allah, why are you embarrassing me in front of everyone? I already know my destination. And then they go through his, his, his life. As you and I, each and every one of us, will go through all the choices that we made in our lives. Every single last one, big choice, small choice. And then that person will be told, at this one particular day, at this one particular moment, someone came to you asking for help. And then you gave that person half a glass of water. And that person was so thankful that they made such a deep, powerful prayer for you that, that overrode all of your sins. And thus, this person is being sent to paradise. So what is another point to think about, my beloved brothers and sisters? A few huge lessons from this tiny narration. Okay. Aside from the fact that there's this person that's so bold that, that he's telling Allah, yeah, just throw me to hell. Okay. But what is one lesson here to think about right from the start? that no action is too small.
right? That when you and I think of all the different narrations about the prophet, peace be upon him, I'm sure all of you or almost all of you could tell me that when the prophet is entering a room, when he's entering a masjid, which foot came in first? When he's leaving a masjid, which foot left first? When he's entering a bathroom, in our language, a bathroom, which, which foot entered first? When he's leaving, which foot left first? And at one level we can think, okay, the sunnah is so detailed we have to do all these things. But at another level to think about, that the Prophet, peace be upon him, was so particular, so precise, that no deed was too small. Which also means that for you and I, no deed is too small. It may be that this deed that you consider to be <coughs> insignificant might be the deed that will get you into paradise. Okay. But what else should we take from this story, which applies to so many of us? Because I, I want to remind you that one of the most common issues that students came to me with way back in the spring, to recap the whole year, anxiety and fear as we were leading up to the election in November, and then enhanced anxiety and fear as we got to the inauguration, and then extreme terror among our students you know, what is going to happen to us now, now that he's been inaugurated with Muslim ban number one, Muslim ban number two. But then what was happening in February? So many students were coming to me with faith problems. I don't know what I believe. I don't know if I believe this. Why should I believe this? Why is this happening? And then from there, when we got into last March and then especially April, what was the most common issue among the Muslim population here as well as the non-Muslim population here, as well as nationally, it was suicide ideation. And think about what suicide ideation is. That when someone is saying, okay, I can't take life anymore. It's too much. I have to give up. And student after student was coming to my office addressing that or, or asking for help with that. I don't know how many students uh, in our community felt the same way but didn't come to my office or didn't come to the wellness center or didn't reach out for help. But what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? Another lesson from this story of this person who effectively gave up. He's saying, okay, I know I'm going to hell. That person was still sent to paradise because of a small deed, which means you and I should also never have despair. No matter how overwhelming life gets, Despair is something that is not only not an option, but it's something you don't need to take as an option. And repeating about myself, I'm, mashallah, twice as old, give or take, most of you, and you should probably respect me more than. But the point I'm saying, my beloved brothers and sisters, is, well, I shouldn't call you brothers and sisters, the point I'm making, I'm making in my beloved sons and daughters, <laughs> Okay, brothers and sisters, the point I'm making, my beloved brothers and sisters, is that when you and I are going through life, me speaking as someone twice as old as you are, mashallah, yeah, I've seen everything. And I've put myself through so many things, and I've been put through so many things, and mashallah, I'm still in one piece here. If I went through my academic history, most of you would stop taking my classes. So you don't need to know about that. But if I told you so many different aspects of so many different wrong things I've done, you'd start looking at yourselves as saints. I mean, we'd all look at Osman as a super saint, mashallah. But the point I'm making, my beloved brothers and sisters, is you should not fall into despair. Part of the reason I'm cracking these jokes, which are completely inappropriate for a khutbah, okay? 
So, so I hope your chutbah, your Juma counts. But the point I'm making, my beloved brothers and sisters, is that it's that easy for each and every one of us to have a smile put on our face. Okay? It's that easy, no matter how tough life is. Okay? And this is not just you and I, this is the Prophet, peace be upon him, himself. That he had stopped receiving wahi, he had stopped receiving revelation for a while, to the point that he started thinking that Allah Ta'ala was upset with him. Okay? Or he did something wrong. How many students come to me and say to me, Allah hates me? Okay? And then the Prophet وسلم, receives Surah Al-Duha. And what does Allah Ta'ala say to him in the singular, which means that he is speaking to every one of us in the singular, meaning he's speaking to each and every one of you directly as he is to me. We are not, we do not hate you. We do not despise you and we have not abandoned you. And what you have in the future is better than what you had at first. So think about this, my beloved brothers and sisters. I'm saying this is someone who has lived it. And I talk how many times about how much I love being a middle-aged Pakistani uncle who loves being abrasive, who loves being obnoxious, who loves saying the most inappropriate things, believe it or not. But something happened, as I mentioned a few years ago, or it's around my 41st birthday, mashallah, mashallah, mashallah. But in that, around that time, I had this realization, going through all these different struggles in life, that life still keeps going on. No matter how dark life gets, and I've been in many, many very deep, deep, dark periods of darkness, light still comes. May not come the next day, may not come for even a year, but it does still come. And your obligation and my obligation is to persist to reach the light. So now let us take a moment and ask Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness. Friday, September 15, 2017, 2 p.m. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. So having said that, my beloved brothers and sisters, what are we talking about overall? Taking control of ourselves and changing. And what else did we say there? Have a consciousness about your day of judgment and look at it as best as you can as something that is as vivid as you sitting in this room. And if that is too hard, as it is for many of us, then try to see it as vivid as the way you imagine tomorrow morning, the way it is in your imagination. And if that is too hard, try to make it as vivid as the way you would imagine yourself, let's say next June or five years from now. Because you and I know that when we are at the Day of Judgment, It'll be more vivid than what we have right now in this moment. Of course, many of you are falling asleep. Mashallah, you can stay awake. But the point I'm saying, it'll be more vivid than what we are experiencing right now. And then what else related to that? Think about your intentions. Keep renewing your intentions. I know so many of you are trying to follow this thing up here. Whatever is going on looks more interesting than anything I'm saying. But what I'm saying, my beloved brothers and sisters, working professionally and confessionally in the work of Dean, I've definitely seen the best of behavior of people, and I've definitely seen the worst of behavior of people. Many of the people who are your heroes, I know what goes on behind the scenes, and I can tell you that some of these people are not at all heroes. Even today, I was having conversations 
you know, online with some of my colleagues from different parts of the country because one very prominent preacher who all of you have heard of has filed a lawsuit against another prominent preacher for defamation and whatever else, and it's a bunch of nonsense. But what am I saying? When you work in the work of Dean, you especially have to renew your, your intentions because it's easy to lose your way, but when you and I are here as students and faculty and staff, we also have to keep renewing our Dean. And it's basically a self-check, it's a gut check. And then having said that, when we get into the example of the person with a half a glass of water, remember, nothing you do is too small. It may be that you help one small person or you help someone in a small way and that person gets inspired to help other people who then get inspired to help other people and you cash in on the Day of Judgment for all of that good without even realizing it. I've given you this story before. It's a story that scares me and I'll tell you why it scares me. That one time, this is some 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I went to a different school to give a talk, a midnight suhoor talk, and I left really upset because I didn't. I left without any samosas. Totally serious. I'm like angry as I'm driving home. And then a couple of years later, I get contacted by the fiance of someone who was at that event. Because one person who was at that event was a non-Muslim who was interested in Islam. And apparently, I can't even take credit for this, apparently after attending that session, decided to become Muslim, becomes engaged then, as sometime later, with this other sister. They get married. They want, actually, they wanted me to perform their marriage because of the impact that I had on this person without even realizing it. But why is that scary? Because how many people have I turned away in the same way? So what am I saying? No action is too small in terms of good, but also no action might be too small in terms of bad. And where does that really play out? It's how you use your tongue. Okay. So those of us who get too caught up in gossip, don't let it happen because you have no idea what the consequences and the repercussions may be. Those of us who get too caught up in saying nasty things about others, I mean, every year it's routine that people will talk about how much the MSA sucks, the Shura sucks, the president sucks, the vice president sucks. Careful, because you have no idea the impact of the wrong word at the wrong time. And so that's especially of concern to me, despite the fact that I still say inappropriate things. And the last big point, my beloved brothers and sisters, do not fall into despair. That is the model of Shaitan. Why do we call him Iblis? His name is not Iblis, that is his title, the one who has given up and separated himself. That is not our tradition. So finishing off, what are we saying? The same point that we're taught over and over again that everything that happens to you in life is a test. Okay. But why do we have to keep repeating it? Because you're gonna get tested in those aspects of life where you don't wanna be tested. If you've got all kinds of wonderful, beautiful pairs of socks and you lose one, you may not care. But you will be tested with your children. You will be tested prior to having children with your loneliness. You will be tested with trust in God. I'm putting so much effort into these studies, am I gonna get in, right? Quite a few students have visited me in the past few weeks saying, okay, I applied you know, this past year for all these programs, got waitlisted but didn't get in anywhere. Then I applied again and I didn't get anywhere. Now I'm thinking about giving up. I have another student from a different place 
who, who has a bachelor's degree already, had a really, really good job, but he wanted to become a teacher, so then he got another bachelor's degree to start teaching history, went through the whole process while working full-time, then he spent all the past year looking for a job and could not find a job, and he's telling me, okay, forget it. I give up. And I kept having to say to him, okay, you've gone this far, why give up now? And alhamdulillah, you know, he just got a job probably within the past two weeks, just in time for the beginning of the school year. So what I'm saying is that despair is not only about what we do with ourselves, but about the hope that we keep in Allah Ta'ala, especially when we're being hit with the test of the unknown. And that is then addressed by dua. So I remind you of the person who has tested more than all of us combined, and that is the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In the Quran, we are taught, indeed, 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 Allah and his angels send blessings upon the Prophet. O you who believe, send blessings upon him. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. O Allah, we call upon you with all of your names to shower your blessings upon the Prophet. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and upon his family and upon his companion, and extend the blessings and peace upon them. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana waqina avab nar. Our Lord, our cherisher, our sustainer, grant us the best of this life and the best of the hereafter and protect us. From the fire. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Aqim as-salah. Ya ha illa